chapter number 7, say I'm there. All right, we're going to jump into this morning's message in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. We're in a series called Hard Rock. Hard Rock, talking about the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ. As we're in this series, the title of this morning's message is, What Rock? What Rock? We want to talk about how Jesus needs to become a reality in your life and not just imaginary in your life. And the Bible says this in verse number 24 of chapter 7. Everyone, everybody say everyone. So that includes you. Get excited. He's already talking to you. You already know this verse is for you because when he says everyone or when he says whosoever, that means that's you. You're a whosoever. You're an everyone that God wants to bring into his kingdom and do a mighty work with. It says everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The purpose of this series is to avoid the great falls in our Christian walk. We see it happen all the time. Believers plug in, they get active, they get uh, excited about what Jesus is doing, but after a period of time, it seems, like, it seems like there's a great fall or a great falling away by some believers, and we want to prevent that from happening in your life. So we're being founded on the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ, and in doing that, we want you to lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ this year. We want you to step out by faith and invite a friend or a family member to have a conversation about Jesus with and you personally lead them to Jesus. We love it when you bring people to church and let us lead them to Jesus, but we want you personally to lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ this year before the year 2017 is over. And by doing that, we are going to continue igniting nations around the world. We're going to impact the four-state area like we have been, but we're going to influence and change the culture within a 20-mile radius of this campus right here at TWBC. And so as we reach Raise Eternal and Community Hope, we need to be founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. And in this passage that I just read of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it talks about Jesus, and there was a man who built his house on a rock. And so throughout this whole discourse of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is very educational and very instructionary of what he's doing. But when it comes to the end of Matthew 7, he gets very illustrative in his teaching, and he likens you to a house. He likens himself unto a rock. And so the simple principle of those verses is this, there was a man who built a house on a rock, and there was a storm that occurred in their life. And so in your life, Jesus wants to make you know that you are a house that he's trying to build. And we know this, that houses in Jesus' day are different than houses that we build today. The houses in Jesus' day were built to be multi-generational houses. He's building this church, TWBC, to be a multi-generational church. Amen. We want to reach generations that follow us, but we also want to reach generations that precede us. But you know, the older you get, you got more following than proceeding amen so we want to reach in both directions reach those who are preceding us but also reach those who are following us and be that multi-generational church because God never created a generation to be left hopeless helpless or homeless because of who the church is called to be so in our life right here at TWBC we don't want to leave any generation hopeless helpless or homeless in any facet from our TWBC kids all the way to our prime time group uh, that we call prime time they're 50 plus because you're in the prime of your life to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and all the generations in between and we expect God to move mightily as we see this happen and so as Jesus is talking about this story there was a man who built a house on a rock he's referring to you as the house 
and we want to avoid the pitfalls in your life. And so if you would, turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter number 28. Isaiah chapter number 28. And this is our double dip verse of scripture for the day. We want to read two verses this morning. We read Matthew 7, 24, and now we're going to read uh, Isaiah chapter 28, verse number 16. And as you're turning to Isaiah 28, 16, listen to how Jesus begins to talk about the rock that we're being founded on. Or I'm sorry, not Jesus. Isaiah begins to talk about the rock that we're being founded on. Verse number 16 says this. Therefore, thus says the Lord God. Now, anytime a scripture starts out with therefore, you've got to go back personally and read the preceding verses because the therefore is therefore a reason to tell you why it's therefore. Yeah. Did, did you get that? So whenever you read a therefore, you've got to go back and read the previous verses to figure out why it's therefore. It's there for a reason. So when you see therefore, go back and read the previous verses so you know why the therefore is therefore. And so it goes on and says, behold... I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Some versions say dismayed. Some versions say waver or panic. And so we want to believe on the scripture and the word of God this morning. So as we jump into this morning's message, I want to ask you, is what you believe about Jesus imagery or is it reality? Is it imagery or is it reality? And what do I mean by that? A lot of times we read stories in the Bible and they're just that. They're stories in the Bible. They're real for what Jesus did, but they're not real for what we're going through. They're real for who Jesus was in his time, but pastor, in my life, it's more fictitious than reality. We need to change that mindset in the church because Jesus is real, Jesus is alive, Jesus is amazing, Jesus is the rock we're supposed to be founded on, and he's real. And it's exciting when you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, follow me, because i got to go pick up this big rock over here. And as I pick up this rock, the Bible says this. It says, Behold, behold, I lay a foundation in Zion. And when it says behold, behold is more than, oh, look, pay attention to. Behold literally means this, to grab hold of, to hold on to, or to physically see. So when that says, behold, I lay in Zion, he's saying literally, church, grab hold of the rock. Yeah. Grab hold of something that's physical. It's reality. It, Jesus is not imaginary. He is the real deal. Yes, and so many times in the church, because we read it and it's illustrative, we think it's imagery and not reality. But when the rock becomes reality in your life, the imagery will go away and you'll find yourself being a house that he's trying to build that will reach multi-generations throughout your life. And that's a real rock. And it gets heavy after a while, so I had to set it down. But when it says, behold, he is talking literally. The NIV version says, see, I lay a stone. Now listen, if the storm is real and not imaginary, then the rock has got to be real and not imaginary. So many times in our life, we place great reality on the storms that we're going through, but little, little, little reality on the Jesus that we worship. And we've got to start placing great reality on the Jesus that we worship and little reality on the storm that we're actually going through. For example, how many of y'all have ever uh, heard a passage preached on the woman with the issue of blood? Right? If you've been in church more than six weeks, I'm sure you've heard it somewhere. Right? We've all heard a message on the woman with the issue of blood. Now follow me. Because when the woman with the issue of blood story comes up, Pastors love to preach on this. 
They loved to preach on how bad she was and how hard her life was and how miserable the things she had to go through were and how tough she had it. And she was a woman of her day, so she wasn't even supposed to leave the house in public if she had an issue of blood because she was called unclean. And when she would walk down the road, she had to declare unclean, unclean all the time. But we make a big deal of what she did rather than who she went to because pastors start preaching like this. Like, well, you know the woman. She was struggling to get to Jesus. She had to fight through the crowd. She had to make her way back in there. She had to get up to where Jesus was. And when she finally got to where Jesus was, she touched Jesus and it was all better. Right? We always hear it preached like that. But shouldn't the emphasis be on the touch from Jesus rather than the issue that she had? Shouldn't the issue that she had be overwhelmed by the touch from Jesus that he gave her? But because we view the storm as greater reality than the Savior, we put greater emphasis on her storm rather than the rock she knew she was founded on. And I want to ask you about your life. Because when you are going through a storm, how much do you talk about your storm and how much do you talk about the rock you're founded on? How much do you tell people how sick your family is and how much you're struggling financially and how bad things are with your marriage and you want these people to coddle you and hug on you and tell you it's going to be okay. But Jesus wants to do more than coddle you and hug you. He wants you to get founded on something so you can stand through it. And when you read that word behold, it's not imaginary. It's reality. And so when it says here through the, through the prophet Isaiah, behold, he's saying literally to grab hold, to hold on to, and to see something come to pass. So really, you can grab onto this, and now if you are holding this, you are now the beholder of what you're holding on to. So you can just say you're the beholder of the boulder, amen? He's the rock in your life. And grab onto it. But you now become the beholder of the precious stone that he's laid in Zion. And you become the house that's founded on the rock. That when the storm comes, when the rains come, when the winds come, it lasts because it's founded. Now listen to this. If the storm is reality, then the rock has to be reality, right? Because it's the same Bible. It doesn't say the storm is imagery and the Bible is, or the rock is reality or vice versa. It doesn't say the storm is reality. But, oh, Jesus, this is just imagery of who you are. No, he really is the rock of our salvation. He is the bedrock, the foundation, the cornerstone of who we are as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's real. It's reality. So if the storm is real and the rock is real... We must be founded on the rock because, listen to this, the storm is temporary, but the rock is not. The storm will pass. The rock will remain founded. Listen, I've been alive almost 40 years, and I promise this rock was here before I got to Texas. It'll be here after I leave Texas if Jesus doesn't come back. And in that, i got to realize that the storm that I'm literally reality and going through is real. The rock is just as real, but I can celebrate because this will soon pass, but this will last forever. Amen. On this, when you look at this rock, I don't know how many rainstorms it's been through, but I'm pretty sure it's been through a lot. I don't know how many windstorms it's been through, but I'm pretty sure it's been through a lot. I don't know how it puts up with Martin Springs water out here in the middle. Amen. Sorry, we'll, we'll go. But I'm sure it's been through a lot of that, too, sitting in the fountain that's out there. Yeah. 
What I'm telling you this morning is your current situation and what you're going through is only temporal, but the rock that you need to get founded on will always be eternal, so we must start putting greater emphasis on the rock than the storm. And have you ever noticed how silly things sound when you put the emphasis on the wrong thing? You put the wrong emphasis on the syllable, and it doesn't sound right. What did I just do? I just put emphasis on the wrong part of the word, and it sounded silly. But I also equate that spiritually. We put the emphasis on the wrong thing, and it looks silly from heaven's perspective because we're so busy putting great emphasis on how great our storm is. When he says, why don't you put great emphasis on how strong the rock is? Instead of WebMDing your current medical condition, I'm about to get stoned, amen? I just saw people's faces like, well, now he's talking to me. I didn't like that non-denominational church anyway, right? No, instead of WebMDing how bad your medical condition is, why don't you start researching how great the rock of Jesus Christ is and all that he's got for you with the rock? Because the last time I read the Bible, it said heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. And Jesus Christ is the word made flesh and came and dwelt among us. So Jesus Christ, the rock we're standing on, is eternal. It's going to last forever. And when you get founded on this thing, it doesn't matter what kind of storm you're looking at because you know where you're anchored to. So all that came from the word behold. Whoo. We got the rest of the verse to go. I hope y'all are buckled up and ready for this thing. It says, behold, behold. And then it goes on to say, behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion. Now, I want to talk about Zion for a minute. Because if the rock is real, then the place he's talking about placing the rock has got to be real too. Right? Because a lot of us, we say, oh, it's Zion. I read about it all in the Old Testament when I read the Bible. But Zion was, I I don't even know about Zion. I don't even know what Zion is. Right? I'm sure it's a place somewhere. And I'm sure it's in Israel somewhere. But we don't know the relevance of what it was then and to what it is now. But if he's placing the rock in Zion and the rock is real and it's eternal and it's going to last forever, then Zion must still be a real place today and it must affect us as a believer. Now, let's read about Zion. It says, behold, I am laying a foundation in Zion. And now, when you go to Israel, there's a a city over there, and it's Jerusalem, and it's got four mountains in it. They're really big hills if you're from Texas, but they call them mountains in the Bible, so I'll call it what the Bible calls it. They have four of them, and one of them is called Mount Zion. Now, what what is the thing about Mount Zion? The mountain of Zion served as a holy place where God's presence was found. So... As we read the scripture, behold, grab hold of the rock I'm placing in the place called, I call Mount Zion, where my presence can be found. So he's founding you on a place where his presence can show up. And can I tell you, when the presence of Jesus shows up, the storm just kind of... So Mount Zion is this. It's the place where the presence of God was found. The city of Zion is the city of David or Jerusalem where God dwelled. So now you have the Mount Zion where the presence of God came. You have the city of Zion where God himself dwelled. And if you're looking at this um, um, in a broad perspective, he's literally laying out the tabernacle in the Old Testament on this mountain for him to come dwell with his people today. That's a whole other message. We'll get there another time. But remember this. The mountain of Zion 
is where the presence would come. The city of Zion is the city of David where God would come and dwell with his people. Now, the, old, now, now the temple in the Old Testament culture is also referred to as Zion or the place where God would show up. Now, in the Old Testament, a man would go to Zion and he would take those under his care and under his leadership to Zion and in Zion, something would happen. Now, I'm going to go on a side note here. There is nowhere in recorded history of the Bible where it would talk about when the day to come to Zion would come that a woman would roll over and shake her husband and say, Honey, get up. It's time for you to take us to Zion. Right? In the church today, we got a lot of this. Honey, wake up. I want you to lead our family to church. Right? Nowhere in the Bible and in the scriptures is it found that a woman would lead her family to Zion. The man, amen, the man, all the men say, I'm the man. It was our job to rise up and take our family to Zion. What is Zion? It's the place where the presence of God would come. So, men, it's our job to rise up and take our family to where the presence of God is going to be. It's our job to rise up and take our family to the city where God is going to dwell. It's our job to rise up and take our family to the place that is called Zion where the presence of God would come. Now listen what would happen at Zion. And why is Zion so important? Because remember, it says, see, I'm laying a foundation stone in Zion. And if the stone is real, Zion's got to become real to you. Because at Zion, this is what happened. It was there that each individual person would receive favor and direction from God. So men, when you bring your people to Zion, or when they would bring their people to Zion, God just wouldn't speak to the man. He would speak to the individuals there. And it's where favor and direction would come in their life. The next thing that would happen at Zion, this is the place where the principles, the promises, and the covenant were transferred from God's city and God's dwelling place to the people. So when the people would go back home, they would take the promises, they would take the principles, and the covenant of God back to where they would dwell. Sounds a lot like today is what it's supposed to be in the church. Zion is where people connected to something bigger than themselves. They connected to the kingdom and they connected to the covenant. So Jesus or, or Isaiah says this, see or behold, I am laying a foundation in Zion. Zion in the Old Testament is equating to the New Testament church and the lifestyle that we live in the New Testament. So when Jesus in the New Testament says, behold, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When he was talking to Peter, he was saying, I am going to put myself in the New Testament Zion and the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Because when they come to this New Testament Zion, they receive favor and direction from God. They receive the principles and the promises of God for my new covenant. And they can uh, attach themselves to something bigger than just who they are. They can attach themselves to a community of faith and not get shaken. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, pastor, I can hear from God all on my own at my house by myself because he said we are the church. You're exactly right. But you can't accomplish it all by yourself. You can't expand the kingdom of God by yourself. I mean, you can do a little bit, 
But I believe this, when we come to a place like this, I would call it New Testament Zion, where believers of all individual races, colors, heights, ages, everything else, come together and unify themselves. They get to experience what they would experience in the Old Testament. You get to experience the favor and the blessing of God on your life. You get to experience the promises of God and the principles of God applied to your life. And you get to connect yourself to something greater than you are to make a difference on the culture that you're living in. Because when you leave here, you all go back to your individual places and you get to bring the covenant of God with the promises of God that contain the principles of God to have the favor of God and the blessing of God individually poured out on your life out there. I can't repeat that, okay? So he said, behold, grab hold of what I'm doing in your church called Zion because what I'm doing is I'm placing this stone, the foundation stone, in your church that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against. And on that, I'm placing this foundation stone right in the middle of my people so they can go out with my covenant and change the world that they live in. Now we're still not done. It gets better. What did he place? He placed the foundation stone. And when he placed the foundation stone, what he placed gives power to where he placed it. What he places in your life gives power to the one he places it in. When you come to the place where you hear from God and Christ is a reality in your life because you're beholding, you're holding, you're seeing, you're grabbing onto who Christ is, he's a reality in your life. He said, in that person, I can put this rock and the gates of hell cannot prevail against him. But on the other hand, he can go out with the blessing and the new covenant of God to change the world they live in because what he placed gives power to where he placed it. And so what did he place? He placed a stone. A stone, and it says a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes in it will not be in haste. Some versions say dismayed. Other versions say, say panic, waver, or shaken. Now I want to read to you this scripture out of the expanded version of the Bible. That just means there's a lot more words to describe and to, and to clarify what this actually means. So you don't have to go to a Greek or Hebrew. It, it's actually printed there in English right beside it. The expanded version of the Bible says this. Because of these things, this is what the Lord God says. I will put, lay, and establish a stone in the ground in Jerusalem, which is Zion, locate the location of the temple. This is a tested stone. Everything will be built on this stone. Everything will be built on this important and precious rock, a rock that is a cornerstone and a firm foundation. And anyone who trusts in this rock will never be disappointed, panic, waver, or be shaken. I don't know about you, but I kind of like the expanded version. Right? God, give me all that. Because that's what I want to be. But I want to give you some word history real quick. Some word history. And this is why the term panic is so important. The one who trusts or is founded on this rock will never panic. Will never panic. And the word history is this. The ancient Greeks worshipped a god of pastures, flocks and shepherds, and whom they named Pan, P-A-N. Pan was believed to be able to cause great fear at times. And the people of Athens believed it was the god Pan who caused the Persians to flee in terror from the Battle of Marathon. The Greeks' adjective... Pan, uh, it's, it's panikos, literally meaning of pan, was used to describe the kind of sudden fear that pan brought on, upon somebody or upon a village. The English word panic 
comes from the Greek word panikos. So what I'm telling you is this. The minute you have a panic attack, and I know those are real deals, they're the real storm, you're founded on the God of Pan, not on the rock of Jesus Christ. See, you didn't even know there was another God in your life. But when fear showed up, all you knew to do was panic. But the Bible said, whoever trusts in this rock, the God, the Lord Jesus Christ, will never be dismayed, will never panic, and will never be shaken. But many of us, when, when crisis hits, when medical alerts hit, when all this stuff hits, we come to this place and we wake up in the middle of the night and we're pouring away with sweat and we're in a panic. You're founded on panikos, or the God of pan, not the God of the rock that I'm laying in Zion for a sure foundation, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in this rock will never serve the God of panic. Come on now, that's good. Some of you guys have been serving the God of panic, the God of fear for a long time. You wake up every morning, oh, I'm just praying over my kids. I don't know what's going to go on in their life today. Oh, Lord Jesus, bless, bless. And if you're praying out of panic, you're not praying out of faith. And a lot of us pray more prayers out of panic or from the God of pan than we ever do out of faith in the rock of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says the one who trusts in this rock will never be put to shame, will never be dismayed, will never be shaken. Now, I don't know about your marriages, but I'm praying you have an awakening that all the panic you've been going through was never from God in the first place. And if your marriage is shaken right now, it's time to come back over to the rock and get founded with your spouse on the rock of Jesus Christ. When it comes to your kids and their situations in their life, and you find yourself in the midst of a panic it's time to step back over and get founded on the rock of Jesus Christ when you're pastoring a church and you wake up in the middle of the night because the dream and the vision is so much bigger than you ever thought it would get to and you find yourself in a panic see I'm not saying I don't deal with it I'm not saying I'm not I'm immune to it but I am saying when panic begins to set in I know where to go and find a better foundation I know where the power of God lies. And in that, when I trust in the Lord my God, he says, I'll never be put into a panic. It doesn't say the winds won't come, the rains won't come, the floods won't come. But it does say when you're founded on the rock, you're not going to crash in the midst of a panic. You're not going to collapse in the midst of crazy government times. You're not going to collapse in the midst of the world market. You're not going to collapse because the church should be the most influential thing the world has ever seen because we're founded on the rock. The rock was placed in a place called Zion, which is the New Testament church, where we receive the promises of God, the principles of God, and in the principles of God, we receive the favor of God and the blessing of God. So when we go back home, we take Zion with us. We take the rock with us. So we now have the foundation of the rock in our home, in our community, even though it's not here at the building of TWBC. The church becomes Zion to our city. And the father said this through the prophet Isaiah. Grab hold of the reality. See the reality of Jesus Christ. 
because I'm placing him right here in your church. Grab hold, see the reality of Jesus Christ because he's right here in your church. And he is the foundation of everything the Way Bible Church is built on. And being the foundation of everything the Way Bible Church is built on, if you trust in this rock, not the church, if you trust in the rock that the church is founded on, you won't ever find yourself in panic. You'll never be shaken and you'll never be dismayed because your trust is founded in the right place. Yes, Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise this morning. As the worship team comes this morning, as the ministers come and begin to pray, I want to read to you a couple things. It's not until panic hits that you find out how real this stone becomes. It's not until panic hits do you find out the reality of this stone. And some of you, you're in a place of celebration. Good, celebrate, but celebrate on the rock of Jesus Christ. Because I had a great friend tell me this the other day. He said, Joel, you're either in one of three places in your life. You're either coming into a storm, you're in the middle of the storm, or you're just walking out of the storm. And if you're not founded on the rock of Jesus Christ, panic and fear will set in. And it's not until that moment do you realize how founded you really are. It's not until panic hits that you find out how tested this stone becomes in your life.